You're listening to Ask Dr. E, where Dr. Michael Easley answers your biblical and theological questions in 10 minutes or less. Here's today's question. Why does God seem to be so different in the Old Testament versus the New Testament? You think about, and specifically the person who wrote and said, like, why does God kill so much in the Old Testament? I mean, (laughs) but you think about the flood, you think about Sodom and Gomorrah, you think about all the times God instructed the nation Israel to annihilate another people group. And then all of a sudden we fast forward and there's Jesus who says, you know, if you hate your brother, you might as well have murdered him. They seem very different. Mm-hmm. Great questions. And, you know, this is an area that takes a little bit of time and study. Let's first of all talk about a theocracy. God chose the nation Israel as his people. Those who were enemies of God's people were also enemies of God. So surrounding nations, let's take the Amalekites, they were perennial enemies. They would always be a destructive force to Israel, and God knew this. And so when he instructs them to destroy the Amalekites, well, that's genocide. Well, we have a theocracy. The government is not separated by God, you know, like we have in America, and we have God, and we have three branches of a government, and so forth. No, God was the government. And so this monotheistic theocracy This is the law. This is how I want you to do things. I have to say this carefully. God knew that certain people would always be unrepentant and hate his people and therefore hate him. And so in a way, I can't explain humanly to satisfy our emotions. God, the sovereign creator of the universe, knew that these people groups would always be haters of Israel therefore haters of Yahweh Elohim, therefore destructive to God's people. So he's protecting his people. When we talk about annihilation, there's really only a number. It's not like as pervasive as it sounds. But Israel itself, of course, the monarchy will fail, and it will become a divided kingdom. And across the 38 kings, if memory serves, most of them are evil and do evil in the sight of the Lord. So the monarchy fails. The theocracy, they didn't obey God. And so they're tossed into civil war. So there is a lot of war and bloodshed in the Old Testament. Don't want to dismiss that. But we have to see the character of God is not capricious. He doesn't enjoy seeing people die. He gives them every opportunity to repent. He doesn't delight in the death of the wicked, the psalmist tells us. So there's a tension between saying, yes, God ordered them to destroy people groups. And I have to run to the conclusion theologically They hated God. They hated God's people. They would always be in irritation. They would always lead them into idolatry and away from Yahweh. And those were the people groups he said that they needed to defeat and destroy and to occupy the land. When Christ comes on the scene, the monarchy is failed. The judges have failed. All of Old Testament history is a failure because they didn't follow the theocratic, I'm the Lord your God, you don't need a king. And so man's invention of government, if you will, makes matters much worse. By the time we come to Christ day, we're no longer, it's not a Jewish theocracy. It's a goyim, it's the world, it's ethnos. And Christ comes this first time not to judge, but to bring the offer of salvation. Now, if you want to fast forward, when Christ comes the next time, there's going to be a lot more blood, a lot more warring, a lot more decisions where people who hate God, who hate Jesus Christ in this case, who want to destroy what Jesus stands for, who he is, the only one to offer salvation, by the way. So they're trying to kill God's son again, we might argue, and he'll stop it. 
So there will be bloodshed, literally, and what I would you know call the millennial reign. There'll be a time where you know they will assemble to try to fight against Christ. There'll be no fight, really, but they will assemble to try to fight against him, and people will die. People will be martyred for their faith. So, yeah, it's an unfortunate thing. Our sensibilities don't like it, but Scripture teaches it. What do you do with—I mean, I hear you saying— you know, future judgment, bloodshed, people that are enemies and hate God. But you and I, we all know a ton of people who are sweet, kind, precious people who we love that do not know the Lord, have not chosen to follow him, obey him. But they're not, you know, it doesn't feel like they would be leading the crusade to conquer the returning king. If we're not with him, we're against him. And all of mankind is on a freight train headed to hell with no handbrake. And we all deserve death. The one righteous thing that is fair would be for God to send us all to hell. The fact that he offers salvation and by faith we can embrace that salvation is the miracle of miracles. And he only accomplished that through his own death, burial, and resurrection. So it's hard stuff. Again, our sensibilities, and we have glossed into a you know loving and fair and kind and merciful. Right, because it doesn't seem like a loving God would predestine us to hell. Well, now you're into double double predestination. So you know, and, and <laughs> I knew and, what I was saying. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and there's a lot of people that hold that view. And intellectually, it's a simple view to hold. I don't mean that you know cavalier. It's simple to say God predestined some to heaven and predestined some to hell. And if you take a couple of passages on their own, Jacob, I love Esau, I hated yeah. Paul in Romans nine. The potter makes one vessel for honor and one for dishonor. Who are you, a man who answers back to God? I mean, there's a lot of places yeah. we could look at, and that's an intellectually easy position to take. I prefer that the offer is universal. Whosoever will, I'll be lifted up, which is probably a double entendre. I'm going to be lifted up as Messiah. I'm going to be lifted up on the cross. I'll be lifted up. I'll draw all men to me, but that doesn't mean all are going to embrace him. Mm -hmm. His whole intent was for us to trust Christ, to believe in him, but people are sinful and selfish. So all of mankind is headed to hell. The fact that any are saved is the true miracle, the true amazement. And our view of good people, of kind people, of loving people, does not take away the sin condition that all of us fall short of the glory of God. There's not one righteous, no, not even one. All of us like sheep have turned astray. So the hard reality of theology is we all deserve hell. The wonderful reality of theology is that the offer of salvation is, I believe, universal, that any and all can respond to Jesus Christ. And my friends who hold to double predestination or you know, they define limited atonement and really parse election down in a way that, again, intellectually, I can see why they get there, but from a broader theological viewpoint, I don't think it's fair to the text to say that he predestines people to hell. That's determinism, that God is sending people to hell. No, people are depraved. People have a sin nature, and they are going to hell because of sin, their own sin, not because God is sending them to hell. If you've got a question for Ask Dr. E, call us or text us at 615-281-9694, or you can email us at question at michaelincontext.com. We would love to hear from you. 
Ask Dr. E is a production of Michael Easley in Context. The music for this show is composed by Jason Germain, and you can find more biblical resources at michaelincontext.com.